0: Once again, good morning church. I want to give a little bit of a recap of as to where we've been last week. Starting last week we, we started a new series that's just temporary. We're going to get back to John's Gospel, I promise. But we're just doing a little bit of a, a deviation kind of you know going on the exit and then back onto the highway a little bit later in a few weeks. But a little bit of a recap from last week. I was asked in a conversation what is your church all about? And I never really was asked that question. I was like, well, how long do you have? I mean, what, how, what, what should my answer be? There's so many ways to go. And last week, we just simply acknowledged and took the time to say the right answer, the biblical answer, is that what is your church all about, about Jesus Christ? It, it really is that simple. Not what, but who is your church about? Jesus Christ, and everything we do should be to glorify and to honor Him. And a little bit of a recap, the three main points from last week's sermon was why is the church all about Jesus? Because we belong to Him. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. The church is His. He purchased us at the cross. He's redeemed our souls. He's our shepherd. We are His sheep. The second thing we looked at is a church that's all about Jesus should worship Him. And we talked about that worship is more than just singing. It's more than just songs. There's other ways, biblical ways of worshiping Jesus. And the third point was, based on those truths, as a church, as a body of believers, we should be proclaiming the power of the gospel, boldly. All right, if we believe everything that's written in here, that this is God's word, that this isn't a fairy tale, then in power from the Holy Spirit, we should be boldly proclaiming the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, has redeemed our souls, and that all who call on his name will be saved. So over the next couple of weeks, what I'm going to do is we're going to look at different ways as a Christian, as a body of believers, as, as, as a church, what are some different ways that we worship Jesus? And I thought we'd start this morning by focusing on really, I, I guess, the main or maybe the most popular one that comes to mind. If you have your notes, it's worshiping Jesus through singing His praise, through music, I don't know if you've thought about music for a long time. I did this week. I just kind of reflected back on it. Music is a powerful gift that God has given us. I would also argue and categorize that music is a common grace gift of God. What do I mean by that? Both the unbeliever and the believer can enjoy music. Both the atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Muslim, and Christian can what? Make music. Sing music. Listen to it. Enjoy it. Play instruments. It's a common grace gift that God has given us, all of humanity. And a couple of just facts I was thinking about, the power of music. Music helps us remember things. If you're a teacher here this morning, or or if you've ever been through education in a leadership type way, you know that music is powerful. You put things to songs to help students remember things. In high school, in my math class, I was taught a song. I remember and I know the quadratic formula. Stephanie teases me all the time about it. What do you use it for? I have no clue. Could I tell you what it is? Absolutely. And here's why. My professor made it into a song. I'll sing it to you. Ready? It goes like this. Minus B, plus or minus radical B squared, minus 4AC, all over 2A. I don't know what this song is about. I, I just know it. that's the formula. I have no clue. So if you want to know, you could ask Nick. (laughs) I'm just just playing. I always pick on Nick. I'm sorry. You could ask Lynn, maybe, too. Another thing about music is it stirs our emotions. It affects us emotionally. I work with teenagers, and I've worked with teens for years. I was a teenager. All of us here were teenagers. Some of you have teenage daughters or boys. But when it comes to breakups in high school... Music is powerful for those teenage girls. Gets them through some breakups. Recently, I went on a road trip to Colorado with Stephanie and Naya, and a few weeks before, I was making a a playlist, a Spotify playlist. Both of us had our own playlist. Why? It's not because we don't enjoy not like talking to each other, but we also enjoy listening to music and singing songs together. It makes the road trip go a little bit faster, seemingly. If you love movies, whether you've watched a horror movie, a thriller movie, a scary movie, or even a romantic movie, right? if you watch it on mute with no volume, I guarantee it's going to affect the whole mood of the movie. It might not be as scary. Why? Because something about those synths playing and the jump scare and the strings on on whatever instruments are in scary movies, it, it, it makes us uneasy. It causes us to be, what, anxious. And the same thing in romantic movies. You have the nice, you know, major chords playing and they're beautiful music and, 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 and the guy and the girl, they, they fall in love, right? It makes us feel something. There is something about music that stirs us up emotionally. But I'll say this, only the believer can make music and play music and worship God through it, right? That's, that's a little bit of a difference, a difference there. But here at New Village Church, right, in in the context of this body of believers, this local church, we worship our Lord, we worship Jesus, we worship God through music every Sunday. We declare our praise to Him as what? We lift our voices and sing together. And this morning, I just want to briefly, as I've been preparing, I've tried to shorten this slightly so we could add more music, but it ends up being the same time, so we'll see what happens. But this morning, I want to focus on three truths that we find about music and singing praises when it comes to God's Word. The first thing is this. We are expected, or you could use the word commanded, to sing. A Christian is expected to sing praises to God. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Psalm 47. Psalm 47. I spoiled this on on Wednesday evening this past week, but I'll say it again. Did you know, according to Google and some other sources I researched, there are at least 185 songs in the Bible? About 150 of them are found in the Psalms. Right? There's 150 Psalms, about 150 mus- or, or songs. <clears throat> Six more of them are found in Lamentations and Songs of Solomon. And if you're quick with math, that leaves 29 other songs found throughout the Bible. In Psalm 47, hopefully you're there, I'll read the whole psalm. <clears throat> This is what we read. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our inheritance, our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God, he is highly exalted. Go back to verse one. How are we told to worship the Lord? By what? Clapping our hands. Using our body, using our being to worship Him. Right, if anybody says, stop clapping in church, you, don't, you shouldn't be doing that. Right here, clap your hands to the Lord. If you get it on tune, on, on, on rhythm, that's even better. They, that'll help us up here on the stage. But clap your hands. Shout to God. What, emotionally, what? Be excited. It says loud songs of joy. Joy should be our attitude. Last week, we looked at the simple fact of just showing up, just singing words out of our mouth, doesn't mean God's going to be pleased and accept that as worshipful. But our hearts matter, right? Joy should be our attitude as we come before the Lord and worship Him. And yes, sometimes the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sins when we sing songs, but will what? Lead us back to the the joy, the the beauty of the gospel, that we're redeemed. If you jump down to verse 6 and 7, this phrase, sing praises, is mentioned five times in two verses, right? Let's count it. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to the, our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. Five times. I would say as a Christian, it's really hard to make the argument that singing is not important when it comes to a Christian discipline or a way of worshiping the Lord. The Bible teaches and it's shown that we are expected to sing praises to the Lord. It's commanded over 50 times throughout the book of Psalms. Not only are we expected to sing songs and to make music to the Lord, but the Bible reminds us that we worship Him regardless of our circumstances. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, and we'll start at 16. So Acts 16, 16. So we're expected to sing. But we're also expected to sing the Lord's praises regardless of our circumstances. And what I want to do is I want to walk through two different stories. One, we're going to see a very low point, right—a very, I would say, valley of the shadow of darkness—in one area, and then on the other side, we're going to see a, a a valley or a mountaintop sort of experience. So, Acts sixteen, verse sixteen. And we'll start here so that we give a little bit of context as to what's going on. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. Just pauses. this could be a whole other sermon, but isn't it amazing that Even the demons know who the Lord is. Even the demons fear Him and what, attribute Him as the Most High God? I don't want to focus too much because we got to get back. Verse 18, And she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, right, their money maker was gone, And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they, drew, they, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now just notice their circumstances. They're attacked by a crowd. Their garments are torn off. I don't know what that means other than they lost some clothing. Their clothing got destroyed. They're beaten with rods. They're inflicted with many blows. It's not like that someone just got one shot in and then they blocked all the others or they ran away. They were beaten. They were mugged. Inflicted with many blows with rods. Probably fists and and, and legs and feet as well. They're thrown into prison. Their feet are fastened in stocks, which means what? They can't move. They can't walk. But notice their response, right? That's their circumstance. What's their response? They prayed and they sang hymns to God. Let me be very honest. When I read that, I'd like to think if that happened to me that I would respond the same way, right? I I would hope that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I could what? Even in my darkest times, full of bruises and blood and swollen whatever, that I can still worship the Lord. We see them regardless of what's happened. They're singing praises to God. Now if you want to turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to see the flip side. We're going to see when something goes well. And the same response of that circumstance is to praise the Lord. In Luke chapter 1 verse 39, we read about an encounter between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the Mary, uh, the Mary, the mother of John the Baptist. It's one of these passages that I don't think gets that gets attention enough, and it's really a, a, an interesting and, and really just amazing passage. But we'll read it in Luke one verse thirty nine. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Again, those are John the Baptist's parents. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. That's John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit in your womb. That's Jesus. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And we see in the next verse Mary's response to this. My Bible has subheadings, and it says Mary's Song of Praise. Even though it doesn't say it, right? It says Mary said, and then she she what? She, she says something to the Lord. I think it's a song. At the very least, she's worshiping the Lord despite what? Her circumstance. Something amazing has just happened. The encouragement and joy that Elizabeth has just told her and encouraged her with. And I won't read the whole song. You can you know, put a little mark and read it later. But we see Mary's response to her circumstance was the same as Paul and Silas. They worship. They, they, they sing praise to the Lord. So despite our circumstance, right here and now, us today in this building, despite what we're going through, right, I, I don't know if you had a terrible week. I don't know if you had the best week of your life. But what I do know is regardless of how our week was, how our day was, how our drive to church was, the Lord is worthy of praise. Singing praises to God declares that God is trustworthy, regardless of our, situ- of our situation. And here, here's a, a truth. Right? Our situations will always change. Our circumstances will always change. We'll have the valley, you know, the valley low points of our time. We'll have the mountaintop high, you know, spiritual victories in our lives, right? Regardless of where we're at, the Lord never changes. The glory that's due to him, the worship that's due to the Lord, never changes. Singing praise to God is the appropriate response, regardless of what goes on in our lives. That's why I had Nick read Psalm 13. And I, I love when, when Nick reads the Scripture passages because he gives a little bit of context to it. We don't, we don't just jump right in, but he gives a little bit of a background. And what I love about Psalm 13 is David brings his burdens. He brings his fear. He brings his, his, his anger. He brings everything before the Lord. He doesn't bottle it and he doesn't try to hide it from God. He brings it before the Lord, but he doesn't end there. He ends by what? Praising the name of the Lord. As a Christian, we can give God our burdens. We can give God our anger. We can cry out to Him. But at the end, you better make sure you praise Him for who He is. He never changes. A little later in service, we're going to be singing the hymn, It Is Well, with my soul. Now, I don't know how many of you know the story behind this. I'm going to keep it very brief. There's a lot more details I can get into. It's a tragic story. This hymn is, is sad. Even as I'm watching a YouTube video and researching it and listening and getting it explained to me, I'm like tearing up. I'm like, this is so sad. Listen to the story by the, by the songwriter. First, he had lost his son to a disease, he lost him, he lost his boy. After that, him and his wife and his four daughters decide to sail across from the U.S. to England. As they're going towards the boat, something happens back at his work. So he stays here. He stays stateside in the U.S., and his wife and his four baby girls, his daughters, go across to England. On the way there, their ship gets wrecked. The ship sinks. He loses all four of his daughters. His wife is the only one that survives in his family. She writes back and writes him a letter saying, Saved alone. And he knows exactly what that means. So with haste, he goes and he gets the next boat over there to to what? To go to his wife. He's just lost all his children. His four baby girls, his baby boy. And it's believed that as they're sailing, right, as now he's on the same sort of ship and the same route there, the captain told him this is the spot where the the, 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 the ship sank. And the author of this hymn goes down from the deck, Below and writes the hymn. It is well with my soul. Powerful, despite his circumstances, the situations he's lost his his babies. What does he say? It is well with my soul. Why? Because God it never changes. He still do all the glory and praise we give him, despite what happens in our lives. The second thing we see, and we'll continue along is singing praise to God is not about us. I'll say it again. Singing praise, making music, singing music to the Lord is not about us. We live in a culture today that is obsessed with self. All day long we're told that we are number one. I'm number one. Advertisements speak that, that, that truth to you and they, they try to get you to, to buy into that. The world should revolve around me, David Moore. That's what the world tells me. My truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth, right? So, so even if our truths contradict, my truth is still my truth. We're, we're a culture that's obsessed with self. I hesitate to say it, but I'll say it. Even as silly as Burger King, their motto is, have it your way. I know, it's a little cheap shot at Burger King, but I thought, hey, it fits perfect with this analogy. Everything is about us. What worship does, when we sing praises to God, what it should do is it takes the attention off of ourselves and rightfully so puts it onto God. Music ushers, music leads us, music brings our hearts and our minds towards God, towards His character, towards His glory. It takes us out of our circumstances, out of our situation, and rightfully so, what? Brings us to the Lord. Singing praises to God helps us remember truths about Him. As I mentioned earlier, music is an educational tool. In Scripture, music and songs are often found to what? Remember truths about who God is. You don't have to turn there, but I put a, a bunch of verses in, in your notes. And the section of Psalms in the 90s, right? Psalm 92, 95, 96, 98, Psalm 100. I just read each of those sections and underlined and wrote out. What are some of the names or characteristics of God we read from these Psalms? Here's what I found. From these Psalms, we're taught and reminded that God is the Most High. He's upright. He's my rock. He has no unrighteousness. What does that mean? He's perfect. He's the rock of our salvation. He's great. He's the King above all. He's the Creator and the creation belongs to Him. He's our Maker. He's the Shepherd to His people. He's full of glory, marvelous worker. He's full of splendor, majesty, strength, beauty. He's holy. I'll repeat that again. He's holy. I'll say it one more time. He's holy. He's the judge. He's the worker of salvation. He's steadfast in love and faithfulness. He is good. As we praise God through music, as we sing songs, we should be reminded of who he is the bible is full of music that reminds us who god is we worship him because he alone is worthy of being worshiped the second point we see about music is it remembers or it helps us remember what god has done some of the songs that are not in psalms or lamentations or songs of solomon are songs that are, are to be reminded or sang so that you remember what God has done for his people. In Exodus 15, I won't read it because it's a whole chapter long, but in Exodus, or in this section, but Exodus 15, we have the Song of Moses. After God delivers the, the Israelites out of Egypt, he pa- they pass through the Red Sea on dry land, and the Egyptians are crushed by the, by the Red Sea getting back to where it belongs. <clears throat> as soon as they cross the Red Sea, Moses breaks out in a song. The song is a reminder for the nation of Israel of what has just happened. That God delivered them. He saved them. Later in Deuteronomy 31 and in Deuteronomy 32, that whole chapter of 32 is another song of Moses. Moses is commanded to teach the nation of Israel this song so that they're reminded of the Lord's blessings, of what He's done for them, but also the consequences of their disobedience. And then lastly, in Revelation 15, and I'll use this as the benediction as we close the service, in Revelation 15, we see the song of Moses once again being proclaimed in victory by the saints. There's someone by the name of Gordon Fee. He said this, Show me your church's song list, and I'll show you their theology. I was like, oh, that's pretty intimidating. That's That's true. Show me what your church sings and I'll tell you what your church believes. The songs we sing here at New Village Church, right? I'll, I'll bring it down to where we're at here. The songs we sing should reflect who God is and also speak of what He's done for us. It should take the attention off of ourselves, as I said before, and rightfully elevate and lift up the name of the Lord. It draws us closer to Him as we, as we reflect on His love For us, through the sacrificial death of His Son and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, we're going to sing another song after after I'm done speaking. How deep the Father's love for us! As I was taking a look at the lyrics and really saying, "What is this song about?" Right as that quote I read, I was I was convicted by it. I said, "Well, if our church sings this song, what what do we believe?" In the song, "How deep the Father's love," it's the story of the gospel. It's clearly on display. There's three verses. Verse 1 reminds us of God's love for us as His wrath is poured out onto His Son, Jesus. Verse 2 reminds us of the innocence of Jesus, that it was my sin that held Him on the cross. It was our sin that held Him there. He didn't deserve the death penalty. He didn't deserve the death, the wrath of God, but in love, Jesus gave up His life so that why, we can have life. And verse 3 reminds us of His grace. We did nothing when it comes to salvation, but Jesus did it all through His death and His resurrection. And we have assurance that at the cross, our souls were purchased. As Paul would say in Romans, we're justified before the Lord, and those who believe in Jesus will be saved. That's the promise of God's Word, the promise of salvation. My challenge is as we sing this song, in, in a few moments, or maybe a, I shouldn't say a few, in some minutes. Just keep that in the back of your mind, the story of the Gospel. The third point, when it comes to singing praises to God, it helps us reflect the glory and the activity of the triune God. Singing praises to God helps us reflect or to mimic the glory and the activity of the triune God. I'll be brief, but just a few things. I want to talk about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our God is a singing God. In Zephaniah 3.17 it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Jesus Christ in his incarnation, when he dwelt among us on earth, He sang. In Matthew 26, after the Last Supper, as they're celebrating Passover, as in a few moments or a few hours, he's going to be betrayed and on the cross. We read this. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus sang with his disciples. I I found that beautiful, an encouragement. And in the last Holy Spirit, he inspires us to sing songs as he fills our hearts. In Ephesians 5, verse 18, I believe Pastor Scott preached on this in in August, but this is what Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll add, in that filling of the Spirit, if our hearts are filled by the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We see in the Bible, the Father sings, the Son sings, the Spirit sings. If we worship a God that's created songs, that's created singing, that's created music, and is seen singing over us and with us, how much more should we as believers, as a body of believers, as New Village Church, how much more should we continue to sing his praise all the more? As I've just been focusing and really meditating and studying and just praying through the importance of music to the Lord, nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to make an in-tune noise to the Lord to make a melody that maybe sounds pleasing in terms of human, humanly speaking. I know there are some of us here this morning that, that aren't strong singers. I know there are some of us who get embarrassed when we sing loud. I know there are some of us here who would admit and claim that they're tone deaf. But let me just say that that's not an excuse to not sing out and praise our Lord together. It's not. It's not. Show me what your church sings, and I'll show you their theology. My prayer and my hope is as we continue our worship service this morning, I'll invite the worship team to come up on on the platform and join me up here. As they lead us in in singing these next couple of hymns together, my challenge is to actually read the words that that we're singing. Don't just go along with the motions. Don't just go along because the words are on the screen. But I want to challenge you to, one, sing... But also, do you believe what we're singing? Based on these songs we're going to sing, what are we reminded about, about the God we worship? We're reminded that He loves us, that in love, Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth, dwelt among us, died on the cross for our sins, three days later rose again, ascended up to heaven, and He's coming back again in judgment. But we also know that all who call on the name of the Lord who confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead. The promise of God's word says, you will be saved. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of music. I pray here at New Village, Lord, as we continue to sing your, your, your songs, to sing worship to you, I pray that we never compromise the gospel truths, that every song we sing is about You. Help us, Lord, to just, regardless of our circumstances here this morning, just take a moment and reflect on who You are and what You've done for us. I pray, Lord, as we sing these next couple of, of songs together, that we can enjoy in conviction. Just know that You love us and be reminded of the Gospel truths. Despite our circumstances, you are still due all the glory that you deserve. So God, I just pray that the rest of our time together will be a worshipful time. That you're the center of attention. Lord, that the music we can draw closer to you and love you. And In your name we pray this in Jesus. Amen.